Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This week, we have a very special episode of Make It Rain that is sponsored by L'Oreal Paris and celebrates International Women's Day and Women's History Month. L'Oreal Paris is celebrating 50 years of the iconic phrase, because you're worth it, which stands for something Make It Rain is all about, empowering women's self-worth and their voices. L'Oreal Paris has continuously championed women's worth and supported their self-confidence journey to ensure women take their rightful place in their communities. We all have the power within us to be worth it. Just remember it's an ongoing journey, not a destination, which we are all on together. Hi, I'm Josh Smith and welcome back to my podcast, Make It Rain. I'm a journalist and presenter and I've been lucky enough to sit down and have unfiltered conversations with some truly incredible people. I know from my own experiences how powerful talking and crucially listening to others is, something you would have heard about in this very podcast. And without a doubt, my life has been changed by the people I've met. I'm so excited that you are back to join me each week to meet amazing queens who've overcome challenges in their own lives. They're open up about their journey they've been on to harness their power and wear their crowns with pride. I really hope you'll feel empowered to own your own story and make it rain in your own lives too. In this episode of Make It Rain, we are joined by the L'Oreal Paris ambassador, model, entrepreneur, activist, and all-round queen, Iskra Lawrence. Since being dropped from her modeling agency at just 15 years old for being, in quotation marks, too big, and after dealing with body image issues and disordered eating, Iskra has been determined to change the perception of women across society. Iskra now flies the flag for self-worth and body diversity, whilst refusing to retouch her photos, inspiring her 4.6 million Instagram followers along the way. Here, Iskra opens up about her journey towards feeling worth it, including the toxic relationships, mental health and body image issues she's had to overcome along the way. She also candidly talks about her own experiences with on-street harassment and how becoming a mother gave her a new respect for her body. There are so many inspiring words about defining your self-worth on your own terms. So I hope you'll be inspired to equally wear your crown with pride. Iskra Lawrence, how are you? (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm definitely hyped now because I'm talking to you and my energy is like skyrocketing. Um, So I'm really, really excited to just chit chat and catch up and just yeah it it feels really good to to be hearing an English voice as well I can't lie (laughs) babe well we are serving it up we're gonna be serving that finest English tea babe Mm, yes indeed I'm ready I got my biscuits I'm gonna dunk them (laughs) and we're not getting any innuendos in here at all of course not just gotta start off on the right foot well, we can dunk those biscuits because we've got a lot to celebrate, babe, haven't we? We do, because we do. not only is it Women's History Month and it's just been International Women's Day, 
but it's 50 years of the iconic L'Oreal Paris phrase, worth it. Worth it. And it's all about celebrating self-confidence, owning your worth, and above all, celebrating yourself and the Mm -hmm. worth of those around you as well. Sitting here today, how worth it do you feel? I mean, I know I was worth the bagel that I just ate, and I know I'm worth this (laughs) hyped up conversation, but um, no, I've seen a whole new value in what worth it means becoming a new mom. And I think that this year we can all agree we've had to figure out what worth it feels like because most days we haven't felt worth it. Most days Mm. we've been just sitting around wondering where life's going, feeling isolated, feeling lonely, maybe feeling really demotivated and having those feelings of self-doubt. So I feel like this is the best time to talk about, okay, how do we rebuild that worth within ourselves? I think it's been so hard and there's been so many times over the last year, myself included, where I've been like, I am not worth it. I can't even get out of bed today. I don't have the energy to force myself to feel mm-hmm. worth it, to feel myself worth. For you, what's that journey with your own mental health been like over the last year and how have you navigated that? For me, being present and trying to get off the phone and stop the scrolling was really how I was able to refocus on myself and make things happen because one thing that I know affects my self-worth and self-esteem is when I feel like I'm not getting anything done. And I essentially, mm. my purpose... Like, what's my purpose right now? You have to think of the things. And even if you did lose your job during the pandemic, I know a lot of us did, even if it looks different as me working online, a lot of people cut back on budgets and like things just weren't really coming through the way it was because it's Mm. every brand, everyone is trying to refigure out or how do we cope? What do we do next? So really going back to the drawing board, making small goals for myself, making a plan of action, building things if it's a hobby or a passion or purpose-driven. What's so interesting about that is, is that when we were younger, and I really feel like this is something that was very prevalent in our generation, Mm. you were constantly asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you're constantly always chasing these goals that become so associated with your worth that Mm. when we actually have to take a sit back and say to ourselves, we don't have the jobs in the same way we used to. How do we define our self-esteem and our worth away from that? Was that a really difficult thing for you to have to comprehend? I I agree. And I think that that's something we forget about the pressure that society puts on us to have a career or, and that is who we are. You know, I am a, Mm. you know, we don't talk about, I am a friend, a mother, uh, you know, like someone who lifts other people up. So I think that's what you have to do. You have to separate that business and personal sometimes because Mm if the the business goes away or if it's just not stable or not secure, if your whole worth is built upon that and that can just get taken away. And I think a lot of us have experienced that feeling this year or that um, insecurity around that career-based or not knowing or having a plan and just not being able to follow it or or the steps have changed. Mm. They literally, it just got ripped away from us like that ladder maybe of the career things we wanted to achieve. And I think, This is something that Katerina Johnson-Thompson, the Olympic athlete, said to us on this podcast. And it really stuck with me, actually. And it was really coming out when you were just talking there. She said, you need to be defined by your values, not by your job. Yeah. Because that is the one consistent thing in life. Your values. If you take that with you everywhere, that's the most powerful tool and identity you have, isn't it? 
Right. And the values values are something that no one can take away from you. They can try, mm. but they cannot they cannot strip you from that. But they can strip you from your title. Or if you are an athlete, that can end. You can have an injury. So I think that a lot of athletes I've met have really been focusing on that because they can have huge mental health issues when that career ends. Because what else, If especially if they've been training or investing all of their self-worth and energy and time from a young person... And then suddenly that gets taken away. And I think as well, International Women's Day is always a really powerful time to reflect on Mm. how far we've come and also how much further we need to go. And Mm. I don't know about you, but as an ally to women myself, I feel like this has been quite a hard week in terms of reconciling how far I thought we'd come and then looking at the society and then thinking we haven't come as far as I hoped or we all thought and it's whether that's disbelieving Meghan Markle's mental health struggle or that's Mm. the tragic murder of Sarah Everett those kind of things kind of show a lack of progress don't Mm -hmm. they how does this International Women's Day feel to you um yeah I definitely think that there's been some shocking things recently and I haven't watched the full interview but the, what I have seen, like the pain, it's it's really it's mm. really hard to watch to know that she was suffering like that, um, and unfortunately, that being a, I mean being an ally, it's all about supporting, right? It's all about believing someone because it's you wouldn't be sharing that trauma, you wouldn't be having to relive it if it didn't happen to you. Um, so I do I do think that we have to focus on the progress because it can feel like we want to give up all hope if we feel like we're going backwards. You know, we have to find those glimmers of hope and that light. And the fact that she was able to speak to someone like Oprah and they had that open conversation, it was be able to share it on the internet. That's groundbreaking. You know, that's new. Mm. And that will change so many people's lives. So yes, as, as horrible as it felt, and it felt, really, is this still happening? I can't believe she was treated that way. There is that glimmer of hope in the sense of we are in a situation now where we can share this with the world so that other women who are also going through those thoughts and feelings and oppression can also relate to that. One thing is, um, yeah, International Women's Day, it is a chance for us to be vocal and advocate for each other. But that's, again, something that has to just be ingrained in us, right? Mm. We, I think as women, we definitely have this comparison it, it, system built in. It's weird. It's like automatic. We compare each other the way we look. We compare each other by our careers. We compare each other by what we have, the handbags, the clothes. We compare each other by what holidays we go on, the lifestyle. As women, because the media has always said, size 14 Iskra Lawrence like that's what the the first words my definition will be nearly every time someone speaks about me in the press or plus size or whatever they'll have to reference my size or my body or my shape or something physical about me which they don't do for men um we as women have to focus on undoing that don't start your conversations off like that try not to reference other women like that because otherwise we'll just continue that cycle Mm. i mean labeling is such a horrific problem in our society and we Mm. just pop labels on people in whatever way right just willy-nilly to try and make Mm -hmm. people willy-nilly just to try and make them feel try and make people feel digestible right what kind of labels have you had placed on you over the course of your life and what kind of labels have you had to 
really work to try and shake off almost. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I definitely even just remember from being a child, I was the chubby child. You know, I was the chubby one who would mm. eat all the leftovers or, you know, when your family's really proud because like, oh, she's got a good appetite. Um, and those things then, when I got thrown into the modelling world and it was weird, I'd started swimming, so I'd lost a lot of weight. So And puberty had made me really tall. So I was slim at that point. Um, but as soon as I hit puberty, got some hips, and then I was told by the fashion industry, literally at one time, the stylist said, why is that fat model here? Bearing in mind, I'm literally UK eight. Um, I just couldn't fit into the sample size. That brought me right back to like, oh, I'm that chubby kid. And what's wrong with my body? Like, there's always been something wrong with my body then. What's going on? And for me being labeled by that really young I guess definitely had an impact and then throughout the fashion industry then being told you're too commercial you're too smiley too you know all of the mature like just weird phrases that you were labeled Mm. as an excuse of why they wouldn't want to sign me or why they wouldn't want to take me on so this whole time those labels are just getting stuck on you and it just eats away right so whatever definition you have it starts to be what other people tell you you are And that's really Mm. damaging because you're going through life with negative things that other people told you you were. You are the person that gets to decide who you are and where your values lie and what you bring to the table. So really understanding that and figuring out that I had mental health issues with body dysmorphia and disordered eating and that that's okay and that that is actually very normal and very prevalent in society for many people going through images with um, body image issues understanding that there was recovery that was something that was an intentional act of knowing that I don't have to live like this I do not have to count calories I do not have to be in calorie deficit thinness does not have to be my whole goal and purpose in life and coming out of that I guess I just realized that now it was time for me to choose who I was what I wanted in life what was I going to go after and knowing that Anytime anyone tried to put a label on me since then, so when I decided to stop retouching my photos online and working with brands that didn't retouch um, and being really comfortable in this body and being able to do poses where maybe I had some rolls when I was sat down because that's just what happens. When people said it was fat and disgusting and I looked like a cow and all of those things, to be honest, I already felt bulletproof because I already know that I went through years of hating myself Mm. and being mean to myself and using unkind words that now I know that I get to decide how I feel and who I am. You saying something, it literally just bounces off, to be honest, because I, I already went through that with myself and I decided I know what my definition is. I know what my self worth is and I'm here. I can't change who I am, my body. I did try to do that. It was awful. I wasted a lot of time and energy and I kept feeling like I was failing because you can't look like someone else. So if that's your goal, you are going to fail. I didn't want to waste any more time and energy. Instead, I wanted to invest that time and energy in being like, okay, this is Iskra Lawrence. This is what I can do. This is who I can be. This is what I can look like. And when you start to do that, your whole life will change. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) More finger clicks up in here to that. Because ultimately, our worth is so defined by 
these external pressures all the time, mm. isn't it? And also the pressures we then ultimately then put on ourselves. I know mm. that I've struggled with that through my whole life, trying to play up to what society thinks a man should be like, mm. what society thinks a palatable gay man should be like. Right. And then, then you're also then having to deal with your own self-identity at the same time, and it becomes this awful pressure cooker. And mm. there's so many times in my life that I've really struggled with my self-worth. And I was just wondering for you, when has been maybe the darkest time in your experience of your self-worth would you Mm. say I would say the darkest time was when I was I'd been I'd gotten signed I'd gotten that opportunity to be in the fashion industry and I had a taste for it and then it got ripped away and I got dropped and then they gave me a piece of paper and they said try these 10 other agencies and I went to every single one and to your face they, get, they gave me those weird labels, like you said. And when you're a teenager and you're going through puberty, figuring out who you are, being chucked all these definitions of like, actually, you're too this or you're too that. That really, really confused me. You know, it was just a very confusing time. And so I think that was dark in the sense of like, I didn't know how else to feel, to live, to be, to, you know, grow and figure out who I was. And what was interesting was it led me to being overdoing being sexy as a, as a teenager, mm. like thinking and seeing, right? Because what are we looking at? How are we learning how to be confident? For me, it was music videos at the time um, and celebs and all those things. And I've thought that being overtly kind of sexy and wearing, you know, the low tops and having a cleavage and wearing push-up bras and maybe a short skirt, whatever, that would make it fake it into looking confident and to being attractive. And that's where I could maybe get my value and worth from because if they weren't accepting me and those were the gatekeepers, maybe the attention from boys could be my validation that Mm. I needed. So confusing time, very confusing time. And then I ended up in a relationship with someone who kind of saw that vulnerability, saw that insecurity and used it against me and called me a piece of meat, was horribly abusive, not physically, um, but just mentally, constantly made me cry and made me feel like I was just worthless. And I was trapped in that life for five years. Um, and it wasn't really until I opened up to my mom. And the thing is, my mom knew that he was awful. And obviously he would try and hide it, but she would see the glimpses of him like... I remember one day the car screen got frozen over and he started kicking the car because he was so frustrated. Just a, just an angry person. And when I eventually told her, I was like, I know he doesn't treat me well enough. She was absolutely in floods of tears. And she was like, I'm so happy you you finally like figured that out. I'm so, fi- I'm so, it was so scary for her to think that I thought that that's all I deserved and was going down that route. And she said, I was too scared because I lived with him and everything. She said, I was too scared to say something in case it pushed you closer to him and further away from me. And as a parent, you know, to have to see that. And now being a parent, I'm like, oh my gosh. So that was really tricky. And getting out of that abusive relationship also helped me then get out of the body dysmorphia because that was all linked, all attached. Mm. When you don't love yourself, you probably aren't in a loving relationship either. Um, And so that was a journey I went on. I moved to London. You know, I I was like, you know what? I need to give myself every possible opportunity. I need to find my people. I need to be in a positive place. So I moved in with like 
the most fun friend in the world and we partied and we had the best time and I just like refound that like life can be happy like life can be just carefree you know and I think that sometimes we do have to remove ourselves from either a location or a relationship or people or whatever it might be because why not you know we have this one life and we have to figure out who we need to be around, where we need to be, what we need to be doing that's going to make us feel alive, that's going to make us feel fulfilled, that's going to give us a purpose. And so that was the best decision for me, getting out of those that darkness, literally removing myself. One thing that has kept me able to make these decisions was being financially independent. And that is, some, mm. that is something that I'm talking a lot more about these days because I realise now if I hadn't saved up, I couldn't have moved to London, even afforded the the train ticket, you know, like, and so especially as women, we don't talk about finance, we don't talk about how we can be financially independent, because what can happen is you will get trapped. And you could have someone who is financially abusive, because they're in control of all the finance, and you can't just up and leave. And especially if you have children, how can you leave that situation, because you can't Mm. even afford to look after yourself and your family. So Financial independence is one of the key things that I do hope as women we can start discussing more. Mm. Has ultimately talking and being open and pushing through the shame and the judgment that comes with talking about Mm. toxic relationships, that comes with talking about body image issues, has that ultimately saved you, would you say? I'd say 100%. I'd say it was my therapy. I would say that my online community... 100% saved me. They kept me on track uh, to keep moving forward because it made me accountable. I felt like when I'd shared it, I'd literally shared it with the world to say, this is, you know, what I'm trying to do. This is how I'm trying to progress. Oh, wow. Well, now I've got all these eyes on me. I better keep moving forward. And of course, that can sometimes feel pressurized. But for me, it definitely felt like motivation because instead of just letting myself down, I would be letting down millions of people um and I didn't want to I didn't want to do that I wanted people to see that I could do it so that they could do it too and you have become such a queen like sitting here and literally like (laughs) basking in your glow babe like worshipping at your throne I'm like seeing a queen before my eyes but who has passed the crown onto you and inspired you to wear your crown with the most pride Oh, that's such a good question. I feel like there's just been so many women in my life and for different things, right? I briefly touched on the friend in London. I'm not friends with Mm. her anymore. But I tell you what, we had the best six months of our life, partying, living up life. Like just, there are different people who will bring different moments into your life. I want to say one consistent person is obviously being my mom, who she is the definition of get it done. Like she is one of those people who if she wants something, she will ask for it. And that has stuck with me because in every situation or every scenario, I'm like, what have I got to lose? I want to get a little bit uncomfortable. I want to know that you know, I'm worth asking that question or I'm worth asking for more or I'm worth finding a way. If they say no, that just might be a yes in disguise. That just might be me finding a ladder to climb over the wall that they think they built because they can't stop me. So I think that her persistence of like, I'm going to get it done, really, really paid off for me because it meant every time I was rejected, even though it it hurt me, even though it did feel like what's wrong with me, I never gave up. And to this day, I, I now can look back and really just be 
you know, quite proud of myself because if I'd listened to the hundreds of people over that course of time who said, you'll never make it, no chance. Like you're too big to be a straight size model. You're too small to be a plus size model. Like there's no industry for you or just you're too commercial. You do all of these things. You're too something. If I'd listened to even just one of those people and not done this, where would I be? Mm. I have no idea. I don't know who I would be or what I'd be doing, but I wouldn't be living this fulfilled life. So I just really hope that whoever you look up to is they might come and go but just take taking those positive things away from people and of course learning from other people's mistakes um you know that's invaluable and that is why if we are surrounding ourselves with more diverse people we will have a better understanding of how the world works yeah because ultimately i think this in life every single person has a lesson in them for you 100 i love that listen listen to them and Mm. ultimately you sit down with someone there will ultimately always be something about their life that either relates to you or you will say something to them or they say something to you and you'll be like oh my god I can't ever imagine what that's like right and you're only gonna find that out by talking Mm -hmm. and that is what it's all about and guess what we're gonna be talking some more (laughs) after this commercial break babes love it let's do it I am thrilled that this special episode of Make It Rain is brought to you by L'Oreal Paris. L'Oreal Paris and Make It Rain are both all about encouraging women to break the mould. The iconic phrase, because you're worth it, was coined in 1971 and it broke new ground with a beauty advert that was targeted for women by women. Since then, L'Oreal Paris has spent 50 years encouraging women to stand up, be heard and be the change they want to see in society, showing us that we are all worth it. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, welcome back, Iskra Lawrence. We just need to get some more, you know, biscuits to dunk in that tea. We did. Another bevy. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Another bevy. Well, one of the most important things we are discussing as a society right now is street harassment Mm. and l'oreal paris has announced that they are launching a commitment to stand up to street harassment after it was revealed that 78 percent of women have experienced sexual harassment in public places have you ever experienced on street harassment and how's that been for you when you've come into contact with it yeah, I definitely have some stories. There was a gentleman one time and he came up to me and I thought he was going to ask me for money. And then he, as I was like trying to find my money in my purse, he literally came up like in my face, almost about to kiss me and then spat in my face. Um, that was super uncomfortable. One time when I was at a nightclub, I was at the bar and I saw this guy behind me and I saw him getting a bit close. But you know what it's like sometimes when you're in a club and everyone's up... And I, as I reached over to pay, he put his hand down my top. And I, you know, I wasn't wearing a bra, so he literally like, felt my breast. And I turned around and, and I was like, excuse me? And he goes, yeah, bitch. And I was like, what? And then his two other friends 
came. And then there was three men essentially like making me think if I said anything else, they were going to hurt me. And luckily, thank goodness, the bouncer had seen what had gone on and came in and he removed them from the club. But if that, if they'd followed me home or if that just, if he hadn't seen that, I would have felt so uncomfortable and like, would anyone have believed me? And mm. I could already sense it was that mentality of like, well, you're in this club, you're wearing that dress and it's so that we can, you know, assert ourselves and do whatever we want because aren't you here for our attention? There's so many times and no one else, like you said, no one's to say. And if you don't have that confidence or able to stand up for yourself, you can feel really humiliated and uncomfortable and scared. And I remember telling my, my husband that I, as a woman, I've known and grown up with knowing that I should hold my keys mm. so that the pointy end sticks out wherever I'm walking at night. Like that's something that as a female, I get told to do just in case and I was no way. Obviously, I never got told that because I'm a man. And I was like, exactly. I was like, if I am ever alone or in a car park or I literally look around me as if someone is going to attack me by default, mm. you know, if, or, or, or even just talk to me in the gym. Oh, my goodness. In the gym. Horrendous. Like I'm in the gym to literally work on myself. Right. That's me time. I'm there. It's part of my self-care routine. And I started to build a gym in my house and get gym equipment because the amount of times that I got stopped, I would get tapped on the shoulder and be completely startled because I've got headphones in, uh, random men in a lift one time because we had a gym in the building. This man had watched me in the gym and then got into the elevator when I was getting into the elevator. And I thought, now he's going to know what floor I live on. And was just like trying to talk, talk to me. And it was so uncomfortable. And actually that was when I already had some followers. So he wanted a picture with me. And I was like, no, I don't want to take a picture with you. I don't know who you are. You're following me up in the elevator. This is super uncomfortable. So there's definitely so many occasions. And I think that the training that L'Oreal's doing is, is so, so important and so needed. Because as someone who, as you've seen, has experienced a lot of different forms of harassment, a lot of times I didn't know how to cope or what to say or what to do. And it should honestly be in our educational syllabus because I don't want to give them an excuse, but maybe there are some times that the perpetrators don't know that it's unacceptable or uncomfortable. Mm. I'll give them the benefit of a doubt this one time. Obviously some things, the physical stuff I said is obvious and everyone knows that that is not okay to touch anyone. Um, but maybe, maybe they think the language or maybe they've seen their parents do it or been around people that just do it, catcalling on the street or whatever it is. But we do need to figure out how we can make everyone just feel comfortable. And I would love for women to not have to hold their keys like that when they're on their own. And what I find so troubling about it is as a society, we still put the emphasis on the woman having to be cautious. And we're ultimately right. not saying, men, fess up to the problem that is in your community. And if it turns mm -hmm. up, you need to dress it down. You need to call it out. You need to right. witness these patterns of behaviour and put a stop to it. And I think we need to have more male allyship in this mm. task, don't you think? I agree. Well, they're not having the conversations. They do talk less about their feelings. They do talk less about communication in general and what that looks like. Um, and I'm excited for people like you to be having a space and more males to have conversations about 
what they're going through, how they're feeling. How do we communicate with each other? How do we communicate with people of different genders or different sex or different religions or races? All of those conversations do need to be had, not just in that kind of female empowerment space, but for men also, for all people. Yeah, and men need to realise that the way that they discuss things like women's bodies, how that infiltrates our culture and how that becomes Mm. then accepted. And, I mean, body shaming is one of the worst things that can happen to a human, to be honest, and you've experienced that in your life. And then Mm. having already experienced that, and then when you go into this very intense environment of being a new mum and having a new body image, has that been quite a triggering experience for you? And how's that been navigating this change in your body? There's definitely always been that uh, fear in the back of my mind when would I become a mother if I'm able to? What would my new body look like? How would I cope with it? Will my modeling career still be the same? Will people still view me the same? Would my partner still be as attracted to me? Not going to lie, TMI. I don't know about any other women listening to this, but in my mind, I thought that when you had a baby, your vagina became a bucket. That's what we would talk about as a teenager. You'd be like, oh, you're going to have a big whale vagina. Like, I'm you know, I feel like mm. we had these conversations, it's going to be this big, saggy, droopy vagina. And, you know, it's never going to be attractive. And like sex is out of the picture. And you're all of these weird societal expectations or fears that I don't know even where they came from. Um, and so definitely, there's just so much fear around that. And with that energy focused on those f- physical things, you're missing out on focusing and really enjoying all the other incredible things that come with it and realizing that, of course, you're going to get some stretch marks. Of course, your body's going to feel different, be softer, be just different. Like it, it feels malleable now because it did, it grew something and then it's trying to shrink back to its natural form, but it's just not the same. And you just can't expect it to be. The last thing that I was thinking of doing was like, I need to lose those couple of inches. I need to get back to this this weight or size. That just that was so irrelevant to the magical thing that I was experiencing. That as scared as I was, and however many fears I did have, and wondering who I would be and what I would look like after, they almost just vanished. To be honest, and the one thing that I did have fear about or started to was when am I going to feel like myself again? Mm. Because I felt like a mom. Often I felt like a failure of a mom because my baby was crying a ton and my milk supply was up and down and all these new things I didn't know would be challenges. And so I just was like trying to find little parts of myself for my confidence and for my self-esteem and for my positivity because that's who I was before. Super positive person, had my shit together, da-da-da-da. But as a new mom, I definitely felt like lonely at times, um, confused, lost, all of these things that I was like, oh, Iskra didn't feel like that, but this new mom feels like that. Like, how do I get those parts of me to fit into being a mom too? And I wouldn't say until my baby was sleeping through the night and I started kind of, I don't know, eating normally again, working out a little bit more, going out for walks, maybe speaking to friends again, just having that normality that I was like, I can combine the two so Mm. I can still be... I can still be Iskra, she's still there, but I'm also a mom now. And that brings in 
so many new challenges for sure, but also, of course, so many incredible things. So that's really what it was doing. It was like putting this puzzle piece together of like all that I was and all that I am now. Mm. And I mean, you've really been on such a journey with your self-worth, haven't you? I mean, just Mm -hmm. over the course of this conversation, it's changed through body image, it's changed through becoming a mum, it's changed through mental health as well, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. navigating shame and the societal pressure that is so pressurising on women and yourself at so many different times. Do you think sitting here today you have the most self-respect for yourself you've ever had? I would definitely say that for sure. I think that what we talked about at the beginning of the conversation about having your self-worth be your value, I've never felt more valuable because I have this tiny little human that needs me every day. And if I don't look after myself and show up for myself, I can't look after him. So that feeling of self-worth is is really deep-rooted now. It's really, I'm already in awe of what I've been able to do and it's not perfect and it's definitely messy a lot of the time Um, and I'm definitely don't get things right and I will openly talk about that and share that which for me is like therapy Um, but I do know that I've done incredibly and my partner reassures me and I have a really great relationship with online and the where my career is going and all the things that I'm building towards and So yeah, I feel I'm in a really good place. I also want to check in on you though, because what I will say is your podcast does get deep and you have all these conversations with people. So I hope that you're checking in with yourself too and not taking on anyone else's burdens. Well, do you know that's so interesting you say that because sometimes it gets a... I get to the end of the day when I've had a lot of deep conversations and I, it's, it's this weird skill in life that literally like, I, I just can't help it. Like I'd meet someone in a smoking area and I'm like, babe, how are you? And then before they know it, they literally tell me their whole entire life story and they're literally like, how have you done this? And then you for two minutes and I just asked for a Marlboro, Marlboro Gold, babe. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I asked to borrow your lighter. But it can be, I think we all need to learn that looking after ourselves and listening to others is a way of actually becoming at one with ourselves because that's what I've learned. Mm. I've learned that mm. if I listen to other people and talk to other people, I ultimately learn so much more about my self-worth as well. Love that. And as being the yeah. queen of being worth it, babe, which is what you are, we always end each episode with asking one question, which is, mm-hmm. in the reign of your life, what is the one rule you will always live by? I will always live by knowing that I am enough. That was the affirmation that got me through recovery. That is the affirmation that's got me through toxic relationships, social media, bullying, all of these things. Like, I am enough and, like, believe it, look at myself in the mirror and say it. And that's my my pillar of strength. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and more yes. Thank you so much for joining me. I've literally loved talking to you, Iskra. And Same. it's so amazing to see you so happy. Your face is like beaming <laughs> down this camera. <laughs> and, you know, just keep doing what you're doing and keep helping us celebrate our self-worth because that's such a special skill that you have. Mm. And you're, you've got so many special skills and this is just one <laughs> of them. And thank you for your energy and your time today. I appreciate you so, so much. And keep doing this, like really, really valuable conversations that you're having. So thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening, Queens. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and take just as much away from it as I have. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts from so you'll know which amazing queen is joining me next time. And make sure you share this around your friends and get those conversations going because we need each other now more than ever before. Hi babes, me again. Just wanted to tell you about something very exciting. I can't believe I'm about to tell you this, but I've written a book and it's called Great Chat. As you know, I love to chat, plot spoiler, and I love talking to people about their lives because as I always say, talking and listening is so powerful. The book is all about how you can master conversation and transform your life, just like it has for me. I've used my experience from all the amazing interviews I've been lucky enough to do, as well as a load of research to help you deal with everything from making new friends to embracing difficult discussions. Great chat should never be underestimated. It can truly improve your well-being, allow you to create the life you want, and bring the connections you are so deserving of, babes. You can pre-order Great Chat today in hardback, ebook, and audiobook, read by me, no less, and it's out on the 20th of June.